Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Jason Markin for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's Friday. You know the drill. It's time for WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. We're ensuring quality childcare is accessible for more people, allowing more people to return to work without worry about where their kids will go during the day. After 10 years of pressure on city officials, the minimum wage goes up to $15 an hour today. Just last night, that mass shooting in Englewood, seven wounded, including a baby girl. We will get our answers directly from Superintendent Brown. What I can say will happen is that the Chicago Police Department will give its all. Women and people of color are always held to a different standard. I understand that. I've known that my whole life. Today, Austin and top aide Chester Wilson Jr. were indicted in the latest City Hall corruption case. That is a lot, but it only scratches the surface. So here with pickaxe and shovel to help us dig deeper is Jacoby Cochran, host of CityCast Chicago, and Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, good to be here. Let's start off with uh, City Council. Once powerful, Southside Alderwoman Carrie Austin is joining the long list of current and former aldermen facing criminal charges. How'd she end up in this club nobody wants to be in, Greg? Well, if uh, if what the feds say is uh, is true, if they can prove it in court, she uh, she screwed up. She allegedly shook down a, a contractor who needed approval, uh, zoning permits, and whatever uh, from her office. And then in exchange for that, golly gee, uh, there were improvements to her home. Uh, there were improvements to her uh, her chief of staff's home, uh, air conditioning. Uh, tile work in the bathroom, stuff like that, that uh, was done uh, on the uh, contractor's diamond on on hers. Jacoby, the late great columnist Mike Royko famously said the city should change its motto from herbs and horto, which means city in a garden, to ubi est mea, where's mine? Any of this a surprise to you? No, I actually was thinking about this earlier this week. I wonder how many current wiretaps being run on the Chicago City Council, <laughs> no and all it is for some some renovations. Like I I know it's expensive, right? New counters, white tiling. Uh, during the pandemic, my mom went HGTV crazy. I mean, like <laughs> new kitchen, new backyard. She worked on some projects, so I know she got some homies who could have helped the older person get some great deals. But you can't be getting kickbacks for city contracts and tax incentives. And they got texts and recordings. And I'm just wondering, you know, we're going to get to the mayor in a second here. But the mayor came in on this sort of promise to rein in, among things, aldermanic privilege. And with a nod to the fact that historically aldermen get themselves in trouble and indicted. And here we are with another indictment. So as she's trying to make the changes that she's trying to make and aldermen are pushing back, where does that leave her in the politics game? And where does that leave her with voters, do you think, Jacoby? I think it, what we've been seeing is she's currently being checked for mayoral privilege. So while she's trying to check the older people, uh, you know, they're kind of, kind of coming back and checking her privilege. And it looks like you know, it's business as usual in many cases that, you know, constituents and voters, you know, people like, like us, we we don't have faith that our city council is running corruption-free. 
And so anything that the mayor is trying to do to, to stifle that, uh, it really seems like it's for not. Austin is joining the likes of Ed Burke. And yesterday, Mayor Lightfoot sort of used a Trump-esque nickname for him, calling him Burger King Ed. said, Burger King Ed is alive and well and trying to create chaos. So, Greg, is Ed Burke to blame for Mayor Lightfoot's city council troubles? Oh, I have no doubt that Ed Burke is is creating some uh, some tension behind the scenes and trying to create little mischief. Uh, uh, that's what opposition aldermen do. But but the core issue here is is public safety. And although clearly uh, the last couple of months the, the numbers have been better, uh, that follows a long period when they've been absolutely horrible with uh, murders, skyjackings, uh, street violence in every part of the city, uh, unimaginably bad. In, in some parts of Chicago. And uh, that's what today's special city council meeting is all about. And Eddie Burke didn't make that up. That ha- that happened. And when the mayor says stuff, when she takes a page out of Donald Trump's uh, playbook and uh, uses a cute little name to describe an opponent, it makes it look like she's engaging in a political stunt to change the subject. Uh, crime and a how to do about it and how to put that together with needed uh, criminal justice reform to bring about equity are absolutely critical subjects, and she shouldn't treat it as a stunt. Now, you just mentioned that aldermen are meeting today with Police Superintendent David Brown about how he's going to control crime over the hot holiday weekend. Greg, were you surprised to see the aldermen take this step that the mayor calls political theater? No, I was not uh, surprised about this at all. The only thing that surprises me, frankly, is that it's taken uh, so long. Uh, uh, those of your uh, listeners who follow politics will note with interest what's happened out in New York City, uh, where the man who's leading the mayoral race out there is a real law and order guy, a, a former Republican, former cop. Uh, this in a city that's more that's more liberal than Chicago, and. It, the, the appearance is that even in liberal big cities, the outbreak of violence that uh, has come with with the COVID pandemic and in Chicago's case before the COVID pandemic is reemerging as a really important issue. And yeah, uh, all of them wouldn't be wouldn't be doing their jobs if they didn't ask questions about that. Jacoby Tuesday on Chicago Tonight on WTTW, the mayor said that. About 99% of the criticism she receives over her temperament is due to the fact that she's a black woman. Now, I'm not going to argue with the premise that women, particularly women of color, have traditionally not been given the respect due to them in the workplace and the world, quite frankly, that the way their personalities or management styles are judged, especially compared to white male counterparts, has been unfair. But, Jacoby, do you see that as what's going on here with the mayor, or is it something else? No, I want to acknowledge exactly what you said. First and foremost, you know, I'm not going to deny the mayor's reality. And in some parts, the mayor's right. Some of the criticism lobbed at her is because she is a gay black woman. But the idea that... 99% 99% of the criticism is due to that is, I mean, in my opinion, is disingenuous, right? We've heard stories about difficulties working with the mayor. You know, she said that her counterparts or mayors prior to her daily, Emmanuel didn't get criticism for their temperament. You know, that's not 100% true. But I've also watched Alderman Taylor, a black woman, criticize the mayor. I've watched journalists like Tiffany Walden and Bella Boz, black woman over at the tribe, criticizing the mayor. I've watched Messiah Wade from Brave Space Alliance 
first black and trans men LGBTQ space on the South Side criticized the mayor. Christiana Ray Colon, I could keep going on. I've watched black women, queer black women, criticize the mayor for her policies, for her temperament, for how they feel um, her efforts to work in the community are often uh, too late, too short-sighted. And so I can't 100% agree with, with the statement while also, uh, again, acknowledging that the patriarchy is real. And so the criticism directed at any woman in leadership, women in, across our city council, is at parts sexist and racist, classist. And so the mayor is right in continuing to call that out. Uh, but 99%, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't give you that one. Mm, yeah. In other crime-related news, uh, the Illinois Supreme Court announced it's reinstating the state's speedy trial law. Jacoby, I know this is something you've been following. So without blowing my mind with all kinds of legal jargon, what exactly is this about? Yeah, John Hanson from uh, Block Club Chicago and WGN and the Blackhawks. My man got so many jobs. We talked about this on CityCast Chicago today. You have a constitutional right to request, if you are charged with a, a crime, a speedy trial. When the pandemic hit, the Illinois Supreme Court suspended that. Even before the pandemic, I worked in Cook County Jail, and I watched as people fell through the cracks and were sitting there for months, even years on end, waiting for their trial. And throughout the pandemic, that backlog has only increased. You got thousands of people on electronic monitoring, thousands of people inside, behind bars, um, in inhumane conditions. And so now that the Illinois Supreme Court has reinstated that individuals can request for a speedy trial, invoke their constitutional right, it comes with a bit of a, uh, a sort of one step back because it won't start until October. And for a city, for a county, for a state that has leaned heavily on the excuse that crime is being impacted by the backlog in the court system, I would think they'd be more prepared for the court system's reopening than they were for Lollapalooza. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, Chicago's minimum wage, to change the subject, uh, increased to $15 for most workers yesterday. It's a big win for workers. Is it a big win for the mayor? Yeah, it is a big win for the mayor. Uh, she pushed for this pretty hard, and she pushed for it uh, uh, when it was before we got in this tight labor situation that we're in now post-COVID. Um, so yeah, when, uh, when when she goes to voters again, uh, which we all presume she's going to do in a, in a year and a half or so, she can stand up and say, "Hey, if you were uh, making a sub-minimum wage, if you were getting uh, not enough to, to to support your family, on hey, I moved it up to fifteen bucks." Um, uh, that, that it, it's a legitimate accomplishment. Uh, uh, there's lots of things you can criticize this mayor for, but uh, that is one that she can definitely hang on the wall. That's Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business and Jacoby Cochran, host of City Cash Chicago. And we're only at the halfway mark of this recap. Plenty of big news happening this week. Stories like these. Years of planning and anticipation, Chicago honored Ida B. Wells with a monument on the former site of the housing project that once bore her name. College athletes in Illinois can be paid for promotions and endorsement deals. There are more questions about sexual assaults allegedly committed by a former Chicago Blackhawks assistant coach. A WBEZ investigation found Brad Aldrich has been investigated for sexual offenses against at least six people in Chicago, Michigan, and Ohio. United Airlines is placing its largest order for new planes ever. 
The airline is purchasing 270 Boeing and Airbus jets, and it's a big bet on the future of air travel after the pandemic. All right, Jacoby, I want to toss out one more Springfield-related story. Governor Pritzker made news this week for making permanent the pandemic policy of a dollar a month child care for those below the poverty line. Now, you know, child care is one of the biggest expenses and biggest worries for families in this country. Were you surprised this didn't get more attention? I really was. I think, as you mentioned, child care has been a crucial element. On City Cash Chicago, we've done, a, I think, a solid job of talking to parents particularly parents with little kids, about how difficult it has been, right? Do they go to school or stay home? Do I go to work or stay home? If they're going a couple of days out the week, you know, who's with them? And so I think anything we can do to make child care more accessible is key. You know, I, I got a friend, Darius, who has two young kids, and I, I understand how much this will help his family and help other families across the state. But I think it's also important that we think about people in the child care business. With kids at home over the last 15 months, that was people's main source of income running daycare facilities, child care facilities. So having the state increase reimbursements mm-hmm. for all participating child care providers is really important. But they're also going to pay providers for a full month of a child, even if their attendance rate is only 70 percent because they're still taking into account. You know, we're still in a pandemic in a lot of respects. And so people being back 100 percent of the time is Yeah. Now, sticking with state news, Illinois' credit rating was upgraded for the first time in 23 years. That's right. The last time that happened to the state's bond rating was 1998. The Bulls won their final championship that year. Now, look, my wife is actually a municipal finance lawyer, so I know what better bond ratings mean for a city and for taxpayers. But, uh, Greg, can you give a quick explainer of why this is important? Uh, you must have some interesting uh, tales at lunch. And oh, dinner. many. Uh, that I'm sure are absolutely riveting. Uh, what <laughs> this means is that Illinois finances are in somewhat better shape than they have been, uh, and that we have started to reverse, emphasis started, a long period of decline when our uh, when our ratings got knocked down uh, dozens of times and we were flirting on the very edge of junk. Now for a change, it goes up a little bit. Uh, that means we won't have to pay as much when we borrow money because the interest rates will be low. Uh, lower than it would have been, and hopefully it's an auger of uh, of better times to come. But uh, for that to happen, we're going to have to deal with our pension problem, and we're just not doing that. In other business news, United just ordered 270 new jets, says it's hiring 3,000 employees. Greg, should we be optimistic that the travel industry is rebounding after their worst year ever? Yeah, we should be. Uh, this is a good news story for Chicago. United, under its current management, has decided to reemphasize O'Hare as, as a, uh, one of its main uh, places to fly in. Out of thousands of new jobs are going to be coming here. United said in the next few years, uh, we can certainly use good jobs right now in this city and this state. And it, it tends to substantiate a, a big bet that was made by the former mayor Rahm Emanuel, who announced this huge program in the later stages of his tenure to modernize O'Hare's uh, gates and ground facilities add lots of new gates because we're at capacity. You know, and during the, the, the pandemic, people have wondered, uh, is all the money that's being spent on that a wise bet? Well, if United, our biggest tenant O'Hare, just says we're going to add lots of flights on O'Hare, guess what? It looks like a smart bet. Mm. 
Yeah, let's turn to sports now. There were a lot of sports stories that were sort of beyond sports news stories this week. The Blackhawks were in the news for all the wrong reasons. Jacoby, uh, bring us up to speed on what these allegations are against this ex-Blackhawks coach. You know, over a decade ago, a Blackhawks player came forward to members of the team to tell them that uh, the coach was inappropriate, sexual harassing him, I believe sexual assault uh, may have been involved as well. Uh, but rather than go public with it or, or deal with it, uh, the Blackhawks did nothing. This individual went on to another role, I believe, at Miami University, where they had more allegations. And again, no one did anything. And then they went on to work with a high school where they were uh, charged uh, and registered as a sex offender. Only now the Blackhawks are coming out and putting an independent probe into the allegations from over a decade ago. And unfortunately, the Blackhawks have shown us over the years, even back to Patrick Kane and his allegations, how seriously they take these situations. Here's another example of them not doing the due diligence, uh, not getting in front of this a decade ago. And it led to other individuals being harmed down the line. And we see this time and time again when you brush something under the rug is important to sexual um, you are creating space for perpetrators to continue to enact harm and trauma on people moving forward. And it's frustrating that a few weeks ago they were trying to shut down these lawsuits saying the statute of limitations are up, but now they're, they want to put an independent probe. They want to take this seriously. And, and that just shows what happens when attention is placed on something and, and people can't run and hide, so they start taking these superficial moves. It is disappointing all around. So management, everyone involved needs to be held accountable. Yeah. Let's turn to the Bears. Greg, you've covered this Arlington racetrack story for a while. You wrote that there's a lot of interesting ideas being floated, but the team does have a long-term lease at Soldier Field. What are the odds that they will eventually, at some point, move to the Burbs? Uh, at some point, I think pretty good. Uh, Soldier Field is is too small. It uh, it's uh, it's open air. It doesn't have the uh, kind of creature comforts that uh, we all expect from our big NFL sports stadiums these days. The question is is when uh, there are buyout provisions in the lease, but they're expensive. Uh, they'd have to pay the, the park district. They own that owns Soldier Field 150 percent of what they'd be otherwise getting. Uh, that's tens and tens of millions of dollars. Uh, the McCaskies, the family that owns the Bears, are not known for throwing around a lot of change like that. On the other hand, uh, potentially, if the Bears are able to buy place in Arlington Heights, they could put together a really good, attractive thing that would make them a lot of money, too. We have a story that just broke today that uh, there are other bidders, uh, some pretty well-heeled uh, corporate bidders for that property. So it's not guaranteed that the Bears are going to get that property, and if, they, and if they do get it, they may have to really open up their wallet. This is a pretty financially conservative team, but we'll have to see. My guess is that uh, is it eventually uh, they're going to go, that uh, Soldier Fields doesn't work for them. Where? I'm not sure. Um, the question then would become, is the city willing to go from back to the past? Are we going to talk about McDome again? It wasn't deemed feasible 25 years ago, but the technology has changed a lot since. Is this maybe the time to take another look at uh, putting a new dome and uh, maybe some uh, a few more seats and soldier fields, some other stuff that would make the Bears happy?
Cool. And before I let you both go, we got about 30 seconds. Jacoby, I recently heard about something you covered that I didn't know about, a rodeo in Chicago's South Shore neighborhood. Quickly tell us about what's going on there this weekend. Well, last Sunday I went to the Broken Arrow Rodeo. It was the 30th annual rodeo in South Shore, held by the Broken Arrow Riding Club. Uh, in July, July 31st, they're going to have their high noon ride and watch the park where at least 100 black cowboys from across the city are going to come out and walk the trails on the south side, walk the moon, walk old gravel trails uh, through Washington Park because there used to be old horse stables there uh, back in the day. And while the city no longer has any, there's still this great tradition of rodeos going on throughout the city. And so uh, City Cash Chicago covered the rodeo, and it was a fantastic experience because my entire life I never knew it was there. That's amazing. And that is Jacoby Cochran, host of the podcast City Cash Chicago. Also with us this week, Greg Hines, political writer for Crane Chicago Business. Gentlemen, thank you so much and have a great weekend. And that's this week's recap from WBEC's Reset. Do us a solid. Take a few seconds to give the podcast a rating and review really helps other people find us. I'm Jason Mark. We're taking Monday off, but Sasha Ann Simons returns for a fresh reset on Tuesday. Please make sure that you have all your fingers and toes when the holiday weekend is all said and done. Be smart, be safe, and we'll see you back here Tuesday for more Reset from WBEZ Chicago. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.